Hello, everybody. This is David Patrick. This is Ken McBride. With Chicago Title Oklahoma, bringing you the title side. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Title Side, Chicago Title, Oklahoma's newest podcast bringing you the who's who of real estate in the state of Oklahoma. My name is David Patrick. I'm with Chicago Title, my co-host. Ken McBride. Ken McBride is our president and leader extraordinaire. Our guest today is Jennifer Fields from Remax Home. Welcome, Jennifer. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you on here. Ken, you know Jennifer well. What do you have to say to Miss Jennifer today? Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. It's, it's, uh, we're delighted to have you with us, and we're anxious to talk with you about real estate and about what you do. Great. Thanks for the invitation. It's my first podcast, so I hope it goes okay. Oh, you're a natural. I've heard you on the big stage for REMAX conventions. This should be nothing for you. I hope so. <laughs> So to kind of kick stuff off, tell us about, you know, how you got into real estate, your career in general over the last 16 years, and maybe some projects that you're working on that, that's upcoming in, in Edmond. Sure. That'd be great. So I'm not unlike other realtors that I had a family base leading me into real estate. A little bit different because I'm not from Oklahoma. I'm actually from Kansas City. My aunt is a realtor in the Bay Area in California, and I spent a lot of time with her um, growing up. She had a daughter who had a brain tumor 18 months, and Missy was a few years younger than me, so I used to go spend summers with her, not the whole summer, but a few weeks, and then um, went to college for a couple years to help out and be with family and just fell in love with it. Wow. I did not know that about you. Yeah. So what about some projects that you're that you're working on up in Edmond? So I... Do a lot of work in new construction. Um, I've represented the same home builder for almost 16 years. I met him my first year in real estate. We didn't get along. Had a horrible start. And six months later, he called me and asked me to be his realtor. He was splitting with his current partner in home building. So I've represented him now. Um, It'll be 16 years in February that I've represented Silverstone Homes. And now I've grown into being um, a developer myself. So it's been a new hat that I've worn this year. So we have several new projects coming um, in the Edmond area, one in the Guthrie area. Um, And that'll be my first development from land acquisition to clearing the trees to laying the streets, everything. Um, So that will be kicking off by the end of this year. Congratulations. Thank you. Are you finding any of that you know, unique or, or difficult, that things that you haven't experienced before? It's a completely new way to use my brain in real estate. So I've really enjoyed that portion of it. Oh, that's great. What, uh, what inspired you to get into development? That's, that seems to be a little bit of a different area. What, uh, what made you want to get into development? I think selling homes for so many years, and especially new homes, you have ideas on what you think a consumer would want, where you think families want to live, how you want to approach the feeling that they get when they pull into their neighborhood. And so just the idea of being able to have my hand in that and have the creative ability really inspired me. That's wonderful. How, how have you seen the industry change in the time that you've been in the real estate industry? Oh, my gosh. That could be a whole 
30-minute podcast itself. But I think one of the things that we've seen change is going from a very high-touch society and high-touch in real estate, and now we've gone high-tech. And so how do we balance the high-touch with the high-tech? Because I don't think the touch can be removed from real estate whatsoever. I think one of the things that we found is that more consumers are confused by the amount of information out there. And so our ability to lead those consumers to make good, wise investment decisions is kind of the biggest challenge that we face. So do you think the amount of information that is provided to consumers uh, increases their vulnerability rather than decreases it? Absolutely. So probably about four years ago at the International Builder Show, which is a great place for realtors to gain information if you've never gone to one, they're some of the best classes I think you can really sit in on. Builders typically don't love realtors. I hate to say that, but they would like to figure out how to have their inside sales staff and um, control those things um, internally. So one of the things they talked about at the International Builder Show was the silent shopper. And we found with Zillow, Realtor.com, Trulia, all of these different facets, we don't know who's looking at our listings. And so builders thought, well, the more exposure we get through these sites, the more we're going to be able to internally sell them. And the opposite happened. The use of realtors and new home construction transactions has increased. And so it just kind of shows that the consumer doesn't really know where to turn. They know where to look at homes and they know where to find the pretty things, but where do they really find out the value? You know, it really sounds like you've got your finger on the pulse of some parts of the business. Where do you see it going over the next five years? I wish I could answer that. I wish I had a crystal ball. But what I do see is that I see that in order to be effective in the real estate industry, you are going to have to have more information than we did 10 years ago. We are going to have to know what sites are out there, where information is provided. Are our listings correct on all of those sites? Because sometimes our information is pushed to different sites. We'll receive a phone call and we'll be kind of caught off guard because misinformation is out there. It's so true. I'm curious, you know, from your point of view, is there a a piece of technology that you use predominantly in, in your daily business life? It really is. And it's interesting because I was with a independent brokerage for a number of years, as a lot of you know, and moved to Remax a little bit over a year ago. It's been about a year and a half. So I use their technology on a daily basis. I'm very big into time blocking. So my days start the same every single day um, before I get to the office and when I get to the office. But the first thing that I do is I spend 30 minutes on the back end of our Remax system using their tools and technology that they have. So I'm consistently making sure I'm viewing my listings. I've got an idea of what my buyers are looking at, what's coming on the market, trends, those type of things. That's interesting. That's good. So obviously the title side of things is, is what we're talking about. I'm curious from all of the closings that you've ever done, do you have a, an interesting closing story? something that's happened at a closing that's memorable, be that good or bad? Well, there's a few of them, (laughs) but probably the most memorable one would be in Chicago Title's Galordia office, and it's probably been 12 years ago. And um, when somebody comes into the closing room and you're going through all the documents, it's kind of vulnerable for buyers. There's a lot of information being shared about them in a public form, so to speak. 
And one of the forms that you always have to sign is the alias form on how many names you may be known under. Well, this couple was recently married, and the husband was not aware of several previous marriages until that moment when we sat down, and they unveiled all of the aliases. Awkward. Very awkward. The closing (laughs) did happen, (laughs) but there wasn't a lot of communication afterwards. Interesting. Some of the stories we hear are, are just interesting. They really are. Uh, if, if, you, if, uh, if someone came to you and said, I'm thinking about getting into the real estate business, uh, what would be one piece of advice you would give to those people? I think the piece of advice I would give to them is always make sure that you're being honest and true to yourself and to your clients in any transaction. That's absolutely how I ended up representing the home builder that I am representing now. We didn't see eye to eye. I didn't feel like they were being fair to my buyer. And we had a lot of discussions about it. And I think that doing that really set up my real estate career and the fact that they wanted somebody that was going to be upfront and honest with them. You know, it's interesting to me that your current uh, involvement came from a disagreement and came from you representing your buyer and resolving that disagreement in some fashion. And, uh, and I, just, I just think that's great. Thank you. It, you know, looking back, um, your first year in real estate, especially for a female, I think you cry probably more than you ever have in your life because there's so many things out of your control, um, whether it be emotions, lender, title, all of those things have to come together to make a successful transaction. And so I can clearly remember as well um, the advice that I got during this time was from Mike Jones, who we all know Mike Jones with Coldwell Banker. That's why I started out. Mike recently passed away. But the disagreement was very difficult at this point in time because they had pulled the contract from my buyer and said, we've decided not to sell the house. And my buyer, of course, had gone back to Texas. They're planning their life. I've no idea what to do. I think I'd been in real estate three months and Mike had very different hours than normal people. He would go to the office about four in the morning. So I think I stayed up all night, so frustrated, didn't really know what to do, called him in the morning and he said, you're a smart girl. You're going to figure this out. Let me know what happens. And at the time, I can't tell you that I really valued that advice, probably made me more pissed than anything else. But at that time, I thought, you're right, I'll handle this. Called a meeting at 10 o'clock that morning with the builder and had a lot of words. And uh, my buyers got the house. That's awesome. That is. I will always value that advice because it taught me in this business, you really are an independent contractor. You really are a business owner. And so you have to determine how you're going to run your business. And you do it well. Thank you. Well, and it impresses me that that you know I've I've often heard that you're at your best when you're are when you are your true authentic self, and it sounds like you uh, you stepped forward and offered your true authentic self and your abilities in that instance and and ever since. Thank you. Yeah, I would say at the time I just didn't know what to do, so I thought, well, this is how I would handle it, so I'll just handle it this way. Throwing a curveball, maybe, okay. maybe a tough question. Okay. Tell us about your biggest mistake and what you learned from it. 
That's a tough one to think about. So I think my biggest mistake that I made was probably not being as organized as I needed to be at certain times. And so I definitely didn't conduct business in the manner that I feel my clients deserve. So whether it be that I just chased my tail for a long time, that would probably be my biggest mistake. I think that's invaluable information to an up-and-coming agent. Uh, Most salespeople, uh, organization is somewhat of a downfall. Uh, I do see that uh, some of the technologies that are coming into our world are, are very good at helping people get organized, collect data, figure out how to store that data and drip campaign, you know, your, your business back to those people as, as productively as possible and, and hopefully cultivate that someday into a transaction. Um, you know, that makes me think of, uh, of another question uh, because you seem to be so organized and to have a good handle on your time management, looking ahead to this upcoming year, on what do you want to spend less time? I think I would like to spend less time on housework, to be honest. (laughs) I thought, oh, I wish I had a daily maid come in, but that's just a moment today. I think probably I would like to spend less time on menial tasks. And by that, I mean just the most simple things that sometimes seem to overwhelm your day. I don't know how to get away for some of those things because I think a lot of us who are drivers, we're driven by success. There's some things that we can't let up control of. And so I think it would be, you know, letting control of those things and letting my office staff handle them. I'm curious, uh, speaking of technology, it can do so much for us, but it cannot do everything. I don't ever want to think of our industry being replaced by technology. Uh, Enhanced, yes, not replaced. In your point of view, what is a value that an actual realtor brings that technology can't? Well, first, we bring eyes and ears. And so when you're in a property, your eyes see so many homes as a realtor. So whether you see something that's extraordinary and brings value to a property that you need to point out to a customer, or if you see something that might be an issue, your eyes and ears looking at all of those things are invaluable. Technology can't pick up on that. Just like we could not replace home inspectors with a piece of technology. Um, And then I think, you know, as well, your ears, you hear what's going on in the industry. You hear what interest rates are doing. You hear what businesses are coming in, what land is being developed where the economy is going. And so I don't think that technology can replace knowing and being the expert in your area. I, you, I mean, you hit it spot on. It's so true. Uh, I, I always think of the relational side of it also. Um, Absolutely. That's the high tech, yeah, high touch part. That's right. How do you, that's right. you know, make sure that you're talking to, you know, your seller on the phone about things that you've heard with feedback because it's very impersonal when you just get this automatic feedback sent to you and somebody may have something negative to say about your home. And so how do you call them and talk about, okay, well, this is maybe what they're seeing through their eyes. Maybe we could look at doing this in the home or that in the home to make sure we don't have this feedback in the future and get your property sold. You know, it's really funny, but it, it, uh, talking about being the, the eyes and the ears uh, reminds me of uh, 
of one realtor who said it's also important to have the nose. Uh, yes. <laughs> I hate to we say don't it. like to talk about that part. I, I didn't. I, I hesitated to bring it up, but sometimes um, what the nose tells you about a house can be can be disturbing to say the least. And it and can. you're and you're not ever going to get that through a piece of technology. Never. It's always fixable, though, right? Hopefully. 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 One of the things that we like to ask people to kind of to wrap things up is um, is is what are the types of things that you look for from a title company? The type of things that I look for for a title company is number one communication. Um, are we able to communicate with the processor and the closer effectively? Because we know not every transaction is seamless. Even if our clients, it appears to be seamless to them, which is our goal 100% of the time, sometimes behind the scenes, things just aren't seamless. So I would say communication, number one. Number two, it would be that your title work is very important. I don't want to get into horror stories on previous situations, but knowing that you have solid title work is extremely important, as well as knowing that the company has the ability to say without a reasonable doubt, this title work is valid and we stand behind you and your consumer. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to join us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you, Jennifer. Thank you. Bye.